0: friends, we find ourselves in a familiar tension during this season of Advent. Each year the wreath comes out and the candles are lit and we have our eyes set on Christmas. But our scripture readings come to us speaking not yet of shepherds or of Mary and Joseph, but of judgment. According to the prophet Malachi, a day is coming when the Lord will draw near to us in judgment. And before that day, the messenger of the Lord will come to prepare the way. But who can endure the day of his coming, the prophet asks. For he is like a refiner's fire. John the Baptist preaches a similar sermon calling us to repent. kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, John tells us. For the one bringing that kingdom is coming to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with an unquenchable fire that will burn away the chaff. Y'all thought you were coming to a safe Presbyterian church this morning. Well, there's a Baptist in our reading today. You didn't know you were getting fire and judgment. Well, tis the season. Happy Advent to you. The weather forecast today it's going to be warm. We are going to talk about judgment today. It's actually been a side topic for the last couple of weeks now, and I think it's time to hit it directly. A member of our congregation recently shared with me his observation that I've been talking a lot about judgment lately. Don't worry, he said. It's not that he was feeling judged, but challenged. Challenged to bring a non-judgmental spirit into our world, to bring the light of love and acceptance into places plagued with a judgmental spirits with fear, with hate. That's awesome. And he's right. I have been thinking a lot about judgment, and his comments got me thinking further, refined my thinking a little bit. What is the difference between feeling judged by a sermon and feeling challenged by one? When John the Baptist challenges the Pharisees and Sadducees, these notoriously self-righteous judgmental folks, and calls them a brood of vipers, was John the Baptist being judgmental? When we would try to bring a light in the darkness by being non judgmental in the presence of folks who are being judgmental, are we therefore being judgmental of them? I think we're at a place culturally where the concept of judgment, of being judgmental, are generally held to be negative things. It's not always practice, but pretty much across the board, we, Christian or not, recognize the value in Christ's teaching. Judge not, lest you be judged. And I think we agree there's a good reason for that. Certainly we as a congregation have committed ourselves to this. It's printed on the back of our bulletin every single week among our guiding values. Have a look if you haven't recently. These are not things we or any human community could be perfect in, but it's something that we say we strive for. According to the back of the bulletin, we intend to accept others as we meet them recognizing that we are all flawed and in need of acceptance. And in striving to accept others, we wish to be nonjudgmental and ready to encourage and support our neighbors. Now, As I'm reading those statements, they just sound like faithfulness to the gospel to me and good common sense too. and I hope we can see how problematic it would be for us to be the opposite. And yet... As much as we and many in our culture would stand against being judgmental, and rightfully so, I'm not sure we can really say we or our culture do or should stand against judgment. Because the moment we make a distinction between what's right and what's wrong, we've made a judgment. We've not necessarily been judgmental. We can get there but we have exercised judgment. We have reasoned and discerned. We've judged in that sense. And if we want to be able to talk about what's right, what's righteous and just, and I think we need to be able to do that, then we are dealing with the realm of judgment. We can't talk about justice. We can't talk about what's righteous without exercising judgment or without considering that one day we may face someone who would exercise judgment over us and over our world. So how do we talk about what's right without being self-righteous? How do we talk about justice without being judgmental? Last week we heard a parable from Jesus of the last judgment when the Son of Man will separate all people as sheep from goats according to how they cared for the least of these. For as you did it to the hungry, The thirsty, the stranger, the homeless, the sick, the prisoner, you did it to me, says our Lord. And this is what Malachi prophesies in today's reading, that on a coming day, the Lord will draw near to us for judgment against the sorcerers, the adulterers, those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired workers and their wages, the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the stranger. The Lord's day of judgment is coming, so prepare, repent, for that day will test our justice." our righteousness like a refiner's fire. Two weeks ago, though, on Christ the King Sunday, we saw Jesus himself being judged in our place. On the cross, our king, our judge, refuses to condemn, but forgives instead. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. In Jesus, God takes all the judgment there is to give in this world upon himself, And in doing this, he takes away the judgment from upon us, and it comes in two ways. That means taking the judgment off of us, setting us free from being judged, but also taking the judgment away from us, taking it out of our hands, setting us free from judging others. The judge has been judged in our place, therefore we are in no place to judge. In this spirit, the Apostle Paul asked the church in Rome, who will bring a charge against us? Who is in a position to condemn? It is Christ Jesus, and he died for us. Yes, who was raised for us, Who is at the right hand of God for us, who indeed intercedes for us today. And if Christ is for us, who can be against us? So then, Paul asks, why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Let us, therefore, no longer pass judgment on one another, but welcome one another, just as Christ has welcomed you. So there's a tension. Just as we find ourselves in a tension during this season, as we look for Christmas and find judgment, there's also this tension with judgment itself. We are called to prepare for the day of the Lord's coming by committing ourselves to justice and to love, to solidarity with the least of these, to compassion, And at the same time, we're called to recognize that on that day of judgment, the Lord alone will be our judge, and we are called not to judge. I think the first thing to realize with judgment is that according to our scriptures today, the judgment the Lord brings does not destroy, but refines refines like a refiner's fire. Malachi tells us that the fiery messenger of the Lord will come not to decimate the people of God, but to purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until, until there's a goal to it, until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. The point of the fire isn't to destroy God's people, but to bring about righteousness within them. It's the refining message of John the Baptist, repent, turn and practice the righteous ways of the kingdom because the kingdom's near. The fuller soap Malachi talks about is a harsh substance. But as with John's baptism, it's not designed to do harm. It's for cleaning and cleansing. The refining fire of judgment is about setting things right. It's not to knock people down with condemnation and rejection. It's about lifting up those who are bowed down, setting the captive free, feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger, caring for the widow and the orphan. The refining fire is about being part of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we're preparing for this season. I've been thinking about judgment because I've been in conversation with folks here about judgment. It was that member of our congregation who told me that he'd be thinking about how to be non-judgmental, but it's with the folks in the downstairs Sunday school class we have been working through those judgment-filled minor prophets this fall. These conversations are like a refining fire, challenging me to think and to rethink and think again about what judgment is. In fact, these conversations were a form of judgment in themselves. What we refer to in our Foundations of Presbyterian Polity, in our Book of Order, as corporate judgment, the act of the community reflecting and discerning together. There's a reference to the Book of Order for you. See, you did come to a good Presbyterian church this morning. <laughs> and actually, this fire and judgment is exactly what our polity is about it's about committing ourselves to the refining fire of relationships of reflecting together about how to do the right thing. So in the name of the refining fire of this season, I want to make a general invitation to stoke conversation. The reading of scripture is best practiced as a conversation, so let's not take what happens here on a Sunday morning as a one-way conversation, even though we are Presbyterians. Presbyterians. I'll take your amens if you've got them and if they're deserved. (laughs) But I also want the conversation to continue. I recognize this is a hard space to hold a conversation. It's not really set up for it. It can look like what I say up here about God's word is supposed to be the last word. But I want you to know in my heart of hearts, that's not how I see it. I'm giving you my take. I hope it's clear hope I'm giving you my reasons for it, but I want you to know I'm not trying to give it to you as a final word. I'm just trying to get a word in. If I say something up here that gets you thinking, I want to know what you're thinking about. Let's talk about it, even and maybe especially if it's something you disagree with or think differently about, because that's how we are refined. That's how we grow through conversation through the back and forth, of questioning and wondering together, of pushing back and going deeper. It's the refining fire of conversation, of relationships. Now, if you've ever gotten into a deep discussion with others around Scripture, you know how heated and fiery that can get. Passions can rise, but not always for the worse. Sure, there are times discussion stokes into heated Argument and feelings are hurt, but there are also times that conversation can stoke the flames of passion in a positive way. We get talking and find out we share a lot in common, we share common interests, common passions, and we put our heads together and start plotting like we're going to go out there and do something. A conversation can get heated because we find ourselves talking about things we're passionate about. And we leave the table ready to light the world on fire. Not to burn it down, but to fill it with light. Conversation is where we are refined. So that even, and again, maybe especially when we don't quite agree, when we don't see things the same way, not necessarily in opposition, but just differently. It's about difference. We come away from the conversation with a clearer, a more refined way of seeing things. We learn how others see things, whether or not we come to accept their view, but we also learn how we see things by talking it out. Conversation is a refining process. Now, I was at a Presbytery meeting. See, another Presbyterian polity reference this past Tuesday. Thank you, Katie Porter, for joining me in that experience. And a significant portion Of the Presbytery meeting was dedicated to hosting a conversation. It was a panel discussion with the chairs of all the committees at the Presbytery level and the purpose was to invite questions to open dialogue about anything really but with a focus on the future of ministry in the Presbytery. Now what you all need to realize is that conversations about the future of the church are happening everywhere. We're having a conversation as a congregation about the future that congregations around the country are also having, and that our presbytery is having too. It's about membership, it's about budget, it's about institutions. It's often about how to save the church in the face of different kinds of decline. And as I was listening at presbytery, as folks were stepping up to the microphone to ask their questions and conversation got going, my own thought process started to refine. As I got to talking with those around me, my thinking refined further through those conversations. And the thing that was striking me is that the focus of a lot of these kinds of discussion is on the church. It's about attracting people to the church, getting people who are not here to be interested in us and what we're about to bring the church back where it was. And this is the part that was getting refined for me and that I want to have more conversations with you about. I think the focus needs to be refined. We're talking so much about the church, how to make what we are about interesting and relevant to others. And I don't think our focus should be on the church. It should be on the world. Rather than asking how we can save the church, we should be asking how to save the world. Or better, how we can be part of how Jesus is saving the world. What's happening in the world today? Where where is it going? How is it hurting? What does it need? How is the world suffering, and how can we, as the body of Christ, enter into that suffering and bear witness to new life? Those are the questions we need to ask. One of the most vital ministries in our congregation, Church Street Cafe first came into existence because of questions like that. It was because our youth came back from a mission trip with the question, if our church disappeared, would anyone notice? Now, there are different ways to answer all, all of those questions of what's going on in the world and what Jesus is doing to save it. And I think that's where we as a church exercising corporate judgment come into play. We, as a church, need to come together in conversation to talk those things through and see how we can pool our energy and our resources to get involved. And if we're going to enter the refining fire of that kind of conversation, we have to be prepared to accept that we might need some refining. That I, as I step into a conversation, might be wrong, might have something to learn. And if we're going to exercise corporate judgment, we have to agree that we will not judge each other, but judge together. And that's where our Presbyterian polity of being relational and connectional becomes so important. Because in the face of those daunting questions about the world, our relational life is a commitment to answering those questions together. Being Presbyterian is about being committed to the refining fire of relationships, of being reformed and always reforming, being refined and always refining, according to the word of God, through the Spirit, together. We don't get that reforming and refining without each other, because without each other we have no one to challenge us, no one to question us, And push back, no fiery preacher like a John the Baptist or a Malachi to call us to repentance, to cause us to be changed through the Spirit's refining fire. But most of all, without each other, we have no one to love. We have no one to share Christ's peace with. No one to say, the peace of our Lord be with you. We need to be a place of refining fire, of conversation. And in that spirit, I want to challenge us to reflect as a community of corporate judgment about what the world needs. We're here with the good news of salvation and Jesus. How are we going to be part of what Jesus is doing to save this world? What do you judge? And how can we judge together? However we answer those questions, let's answer them in conversation in acceptance and without judgment of each other, because it's in passing through that kind of refining fire that we can be part of the peace Christ brings to our world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.